0: All righty, I am back again with Melissa Kuberka, who is the head coach at the St. John Fisher College in uh, Rochester, New York. She is the head coach for the women's basketball team. If you've listened, if this is your first time listening to Cernig, that's not a surprise. We haven't had a lot of episodes on this podcast, so this may be your first one. But if you've listened to my older podcast, Dynamic Leaders, you might have heard Melissa in the past. She was a featured guest, and we talked all about her coaching and her background. So go back, listen to that podcast, regardless of if you're a new listener or not. Just go check out that episode. It's a really great episode. But Melissa, I'm excited to get you back today, coming off the heels of a 26-3 and season as the head coach as we mentioned for St. John Fisher College you won the E8 championship first I want to say congratulations again to you coach and welcome back to the world of podcasting
1: yeah well thank you thanks for having me back on here Um, I obviously loved our email correspondence but this is so much easier than seeing that little flag (laughs) your email that I got to get back to got to get back to you can just talk so appreciate you having me but also you know the kind words about our season special group and they did a lot of really good
0: things. Yeah, very special indeed. And is alluding to <laughs> we're pen pals uh, and we write a lot back and forth to each other. Uh, I, I really appreciate the time that you take to do that because both of us have just so many questions. I feel like every single time we go back and forth and it does take some time. Like I'll build mine over the course of a couple of days. Like when I'm responding, I can't just usually do it like in one sitting and everything. But through those exchanges really came the opportunity to speak today because as we were conversing, you know, back and forth, um, you know, I I think like there were a bunch of themes uh, that have popped up and that continue to pop up and we're still talking about it and we'll continue to talk about it in the future. But uh, one of the like one of the main themes that had come to mind to me is like you as a coach, you taking ideas from different mediums like books and podcasts and anything that you can learn from and how you take those and implement them into your program. And I think that's a really interesting topic because so many of us, and I've heard this before, uh, one, one, an author from a book that I just read recently said, a book is worth it to purchase a book is worth it as long as you get one idea from it. And like, I agree with that to a certain extent, but I'm like, what good is a bunch of ideas if you never utilize them? And I think that's what has really caught my attention throughout the course of our correspondence is just to say like, Melissa talks about these ideas. And then you show me, or you tell me about how you've implemented them into your program in one way or another. And I'm like, well, this could be a learning opportunity not just for me but for you know hundreds of other coaches out there who maybe don't have the intuitive ability like you do to connect the dots between learning and implementing so i'm really going to focus this episode today just for the listeners here on taking ideas that melissa and i have talked about in the past and talking through how she's implemented them into the program. We're going to try not to spill all of the secrets to uh, her success, but she has been gracious enough. Melissa has been to uh, open up a little bit here and to uh, hopefully help some other people. So, all right, let me, let me look at my notes, Melissa. Let's, let's uh, try to go in relative order here so we can keep, keep the listeners engaged to keep me focused. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: So, um, I think my, my first question, it's less of a question, but it's more of a request. So some people that may not have listened to that feature episode that we just talked about from Dynamic Leaders, um, let's really quickly, briefly, we mentioned your head coach, St. Fisher College. Can you recap for us, though, what is your coaching style? Like, what is it about coaching and what you're trying to accomplish. Like when, when someone says, well, who are you as a coach? What are you trying to accomplish?
1: So going into my eighth year of being a head coach, I don't know if I, I have a solid coaching style. I think I've learned that I need to be fluid with all of it. And my coaching style sort of changes year to year, team to team, but you know, at my core, who am I, you know, I, I was a, a player who absolutely loved the game of basketball. I loved the the teammates that I had and just going to battle and practice the competitive side of things. Um, you know, I loved the sport and had no intention of going on and coaching once I graduated um, from college, a lot of things happened and, and here I am. Um, and I think, you know, my, my style, it has a lot to do with who I was as a player. You know, I'm, I'm not a yeller. I'm not super emotional. I am, you know, I am just, focused and committed um, to the task at hand. And that's, that's kind of how I am as a coach, you know, I, I don't yell in practice, but man, we're disciplined in practice. You know, we're, we're demanding in practice, but we do it, you know, try to keep the, the highs and the lows out of it. We stay even keel. Um, and then, you know, we hope that translates to our games where, you know, I'm not in a timeout super rattled and, and, you know, we stay even keel. And again, I think our our players kind of have taken that from our coaching staff that we try to stay very um, neutral in, in terms of our emotions Um, But at the same time, we are, we love the heck out of each other and we, we are going to go to battle and, and, you know, our, our, the commitment that we make to competing has to be there.
0: So before we get into some specifics about things that ideas that you've taken and implementing them into how you coach or into your program with your players, um, I want to teach a little bit. Uh, to get everybody warmed up here. You once told me that you feel as though the recipe for D3 success is unlocking, unlocking, excuse me, the knowledge of talent within an individual. So there, as you mentioned, like your program, your hardworking discipline program, these D3 athletes, like they have those qualities already built into their foundation and it's up to you to help them understand that they can play at a level in terms of basketball that they may have never realized is possible. Is that accurate in terms of like what you're trying to accomplish when, when you talk about that?
1: hundred percent. Yes. We, I, I want, you know, we, we get players, we recruit players out of high school. And so they still have four years ahead of them. And if they're the same player they were when I saw them play in high school, when they graduate from here, you know, I didn't do my job or I didn't put them in a situation that it was probably most beneficial to them. You know, everyone's going to have different potential for growth, but it's it's my job to bring it out of them, but also for them to realize what's there. Um, you know, I, I think that we're at a, at a time, whether it's social media or what, where Kids are told at a very young age that they are great and it almost, you know, it becomes part of their identity that they're already great and it maybe can lead to some complacency where I try to, to find the players maybe don't realize how talented they are. Um, because that they're, they're still hungry to get better. And I think at our level, that's what I need is for players who are willing or who want to get better and are willing to put the time in on their own to do that. And then when they're in the gym with the coaches or their teammates, they just have that buy-in of, I have room to grow and I'm here to get better.
0: So an interesting thought that came to mind based on basically giving two different examples of players, right? Like ones who, maybe think they've already arrived. And as we know, that's never true. If you really want to compete at the highest level Uh, and then the ones who uh, just maybe don't realize that they have more potential to unlock what we talked about or specifically what you uh, are referencing with um, some of your athletes there. Um, When you talk about like skill sets, do you think that in a way I'm not saying this as a blanket statement obviously but in a way it's easier to help with the basketball fundamentals or unlock those basketball skills when you already have those really solid soft skill foundations of like being a good teammate and being disciplined and listening and you know all all these different things that whether you're on a basketball court you're in the corporate working world you're in school like you know we talk about soft skills and like what what it's hard to quantify them, but like, it almost seems like if you have that foundation built, then you can really work on the fundamentals of whatever it is, your basketball game, your uh, talent acquisition recruiter like me or whatever. Like, does that make sense? Do you think there's, there's some validity to that, like strengthening those soft skills and then allowing the, the technical aspect of whatever you're doing to flourish
1: Definitely. I think that that is a, a part of it and probably a, a large part of it. If you're not going to be able to, you know, communicate, whether it's with me as a coach or whether it's with your teammates, you know, you're, you're going to struggle to learn um, if you're not you know, able to. Um, you know, listen be, and, and be able to, to hear or be held accountable and, and to be coached, you're, you're going to struggle. Um, so I definitely think the soft skills are a huge piece of it. And then also it's some of the other intangibles, like just building that trust, um, that you know, I am looking out for you, and that you know, I do have your best interest in there, and that your your teammates, as much as you're competing every day, and you know, you're you're going to bump each other going for that loose ball. You're also able to pick each other up at the end of it and be friends when you're walking out to the dining hall. It's uh, the soft skills are a huge part of it, and then also some of those you know the the, the trust piece and, and the the buy in that way.
0: Okay. All right. Interesting. So when let's go back to what we want to try and teach through this episode today. So when you're pulling from all these different mediums, whether it's a podcast episode, an article that you read, a book that you read, anything else that you want to throw in, can you talk us through the process first of how you refine it into something that's useful? Like what is specifically your process for identifying, oh, this could be something useful for me. It could be something useful for one of my assistants. It could be something useful for my players and then kind of walk us through how you relay that information in a way that can be heard by the people you want it to be heard by.
1: So I think the, I I definitely wasn't always good at this. And I, I didn't, I never realized that I was able to do it until, you know, I kind of looked back and said, Oh, wow, that's, that's what I was doing. Um, But I think the, the start of it is to knowing what I believe needs to be a part of our program kind of like our, our core values of the program and you know when I you know whether it's reading an article seeing a video on Twitter or something from a book when I see things that kind of say hey you know that kind of relates to our core values you know is this something that I can share with the team another example of you know I have my, it's my voice or my way that I speak it. Can I pull in something? Can I pull something from this that echoes what I want, but it's from a different voice using different words, something like that. And so I think the the, the biggest aspect of it is knowing what I believe, you know, and again, our, our core values for our program. So, you know, our, our core values are excellence, discipline, uh, servant leadership or teamwork, and then love of sport. And so, you know, finding the the finding articles or things like that, again, I'm not out, you know, necessarily looking for them. I think we, information over, overload is what I think society is, whether it's, you know, scrolling through Twitter or the emails that I get, the newsletter emails I get, you know, there's, there's plenty of information that's there. Um, and as I, you know, process it, it's, you know, does this, does this Reflect what we're trying to do within our program. Do I think that this voice would be advantageous to them? Um, a couple of ways that we I, I use this use what I find. You know, every day we do a quote of the day at practice. And, um, you know, my assistant and I joke, you know, we kind of go back and forth on who gets to pick the quote of the day. And sometimes it's, you know, what topic are we looking for? So, you know, she'll say, oh, you know, let's let's focus on communication today. And so in the past, I would Google quotes about communication. And that was great for the time at, at that time. But now it's let's look into what we already have. So plenty of notebooks here full of information and things like that. Um, and then there's also authors who I really respect who, you know, I might pick up some of the books that I have sitting around here in my office and flip through and say, okay, you know, this is what we're going to use today for that. Um, you know, we, we've come a long way from just relying on Google search and the same three websites that don't even let you copy and paste the quote off the page. Um so you know, quote of the day is definitely one way we try to build. Um, but then you know, other pieces are um I often will put articles in, in their locker. Um, you know, print them out, put them in their, their locker before practice, and then I'll, you know, have something on the whiteboard, you know, be ready to talk about this. Or, um, you know, when they come out and we have our pre-practice circle, I'll say, you know, you know, what are some things you took out of that? How can you apply it to us? And then, you know, big picture with that, obviously I shared with you, you know, we always try to do something over the summer where we take, you know, whether it's a book or in this this year, it's, it's different things from all over, but again, trying to take things that I've read or seen or something from that reflect what our program is about, and allowing the players to see if they can apply it to ourselves as a program, but also themselves as individuals, whatever field they want to go to, their school life, all of that.
0: Okay, so a couple clarification questions, just to make sure I'm understanding everything correctly. So, the first is that it doesn't seem like you necessarily like it's not like you have a list of, of your your roster, right? And like your assistant coaches, and you're like, okay today I need to like pull quotes for X player and and Y coach and everything. Like it's more, it just seems like you kind of in, in a similar way, the way I did my research uh, for my book, where I was looking at it in the lens of how I wanted to write the book. And you're, I'm sure there's like a lens when you're reading, you've got that coaching lens on. Right. And so maybe you See something or hear something differently than someone who's just listening to it for recreational purposes or something like that, and so it seems like it's it's much more of a natural thing. Like if something stands out to you, then you will bring it to whoever you think it's it's valid for. Otherwise, you're not gonna the information overload. Like you're not just gonna push things on. Uh, Is that is that accurate?
1: That's perfect. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. And then I think you pretty much answered this the other clarification but one of my follow-ups was like understanding what's important to you and I think through that lens that I was talking about it's really the core values more than anything else and then if like the author or the topic or whatever it is aligns with the core values then you're going to take that time to dig in deeper a little bit into look at things, uh, look at additional things, maybe by, uh, whoever wrote it or talked about it. So is that, is that accurate? You would say in, uh, helping you decide like what you want to share with your team. It's really the core, those five core values that you mentioned.
1: Definitely. I think that the core values help, really narrow down what I want our emphasis to be within the program, because I think every coach could list off 50 things that they want to be part of their program and all of them are valid and, you know, they would build our student athletes, but that would only hit the surface level of all of those things. And so finding that the, again, the the core values, the ones that we really want to push um, and, and we want our, I want my players to walk away knowing what it's like to be a part of a team that loves the heck out of each other the willing to be to to understand deeper what servant leadership is. I think there are, you know, probably 10 different styles of leadership that our, our players could benefit from learning about. But I think, you know, based on where where society is today and what I've learned in, in my short time of being a coach is that servant leadership needs to be needs to be understood better not saying you need to apply it in every job that you go to but you need to we, we I want my players to understand what that looks like and so um, yeah ha, ha, understanding what I believe and then trying to to recognize when other people say it differently or you know are building on those ideas um, that help our players learn from um, But then there's also plenty of times where it is good to hit a surface, surface level idea for the players, Um, you know, uh, leadership articles all the time, you know, you and I have talked about our beliefs about captains and and things like that. You know, I think it's important for the players, you know, to, to see different styles of leadership too. We may not dive as deep into transactional leadership as servant leadership, but it is still important for them to understand that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a terrific way to, it's almost like you have a North star, right? Like the North star, your five core values, and it it just, it makes the way that you share information. that's, that's really at the core of like what we're talking about today. It's like, how do you share the most impactful information with your team, knowing that outside of their time with you, they're in information overload, whether it's school, social life, or uh, anything related to that, um, or uh, you know, the the flip of that is like the coaches who, and there's nothing wrong with getting super into the weeds and and whatever. But like you talked about, the different learning styles or different leading styles, like not everybody can take in all that information. And so I think like being very clear, like that's probably a huge takeaway for people in this episode. Like use your core values as your north star and in terms of your information sharing like use that as your way to say like okay i have all of this i have a page of notes but i'm not going to share the page of notes i'm just going to share two bullet points because they really fit our core values the best and and that's going to make the, the biggest impact and so i think that's that's a great way would you just really quickly for us outline what your process was for identifying your core values, if that might be helpful to any other coach or anyone trying to establish their own set of values for whatever they do.
1: Yeah. So I, I here at Fisher was the first time I ever put together core values and it, it came out of a, a bad situation. You know, we had had some incidents within the team that I took over and I, Know realizing that I was taking over a program with players who were recruited by a previous coach who was different from me, you know, I needed the players to understand who I was and the direction that I wanted this program to go into. So, you know, the, the again, the, the first our main core value is uh, servant leadership, teamwork, and that we identified that because I believe that the best college basketball teams have players who average. 14 points a game as their leading score, but you have three or four people in double figures as opposed to a team that has someone scoring 27 points a game. And then their next highest is six or something like that. And so the whole idea, you know, the, the basketball piece of it of we are going to be a very balanced team and you could probably go to any other school in our conference and score 20 points a game here. It's going to be different. Will you buy into that and be a part of the team? And then on the flip side of it, you know, you may sit on the bench and I, can you be on the bench and build your teammates up, you know, the ones who are on the floor in the spot that you want. So you know, that, that's the basketball side of it. And then also, you know, what does it look like in the locker room for us? What does it look like on campus of buying into, you know, a team first Um mentality you know then you know, excellence you know being being driven to be great even when the coaches aren't in in, around being division three we get them from october 15th till sometime in march and so from march through the up until the fall they are on their own and so can they strive for excellence without us there similarly the discipline piece both you know being able to push themselves like we talked about earlier but also being able to sacrifice some aspects of college, the, the social piece, um, but also, you know, how you may not be able to eat as much in the dining hall as your friends, you may, may, may not be able to get as much ice cream in the dining hall as some of your friends because you have practiced in a little bit, you know, silly things like that. But can you be disciplined enough to say, hey, I'm in season, this is how I'm going to behave. Um, and then the, the love of sport, I don't have a scholarship to hang over anyone's head. And I am so thankful that I don't right now. Um, but that also means that there needs to be that intrinsic motivation or that, you know, I want to be here because I love doing this and that's for the best player on the team and for player number, you know, whatever on the team, you know, everyone needs to love being there because that's the only way we're going to get the best out of everybody.
0: That's so awesome. And I want to just add for people who, because I think sometimes we live in a world where like, you know, scoring 20 25 points a game that's that's sexy right like that's that's what people want to do that that gets them instagram likes tiktok videos you know whatever it is on social media but the idea behind the balance is something i've read so many of kareem abdul jabbar's books and he talks specifically about coach wooden at ucla when um you know this back in the 1970s but you know, still, the, I think the point is that uh, you can be successful at finding that balance, and that was their style of play. They won a bunch of national championships at the highest level. Uh, you know, huge eighty-something game winning streak. Uh, having Kareem, I'm sure, helped <laughs> with all of that. But <laughs> you know, I think I think it's it's not crazy when you say that, and then you take in all the other factors of everything that we've talked about up to this point, and just to say like, that's how you can have a 26 and three season as you just had last year. So anyone who's listening to this, and maybe if you had a doubt when that came out, like this stuff works, it's this, is, there's a reason why Melissa and I are talking today. Like, I, I believe in what she's doing. I want to reiterate that to people and like really listen to some of that, some of the details of what we're talking about in today's conversation, I think will be really helpful. Now, I want to Pick a couple specifics, and I'm going to cherry pick from specifics that involve me, uh, so we're not, um, you know, jumping on other people's toes. But you have been uh, really gracious uh, toward me, Melissa, and using some of the content that I've created to uh, share with your team in a number of different ways. And I want to start with the Dynamic Leaders um, podcast. So um, I want to actually before before we do that you talked about it a little bit earlier Uh, this year, this summer, you'll call March to October. your very long summer. If you want, uh, you have chosen to take a different route than what you normally do. And uh, in the past, if I understand correctly, it was more like, okay, there's an individual book or, you know, something like that where all 20 something players, you're going to read it and you're going to, um, you know, work through it in that sense. But this year, you made a little bit of a pivot. Um, can, you, can you tell us a little bit, you don't need to give us all the details into like what you're um, asking your players to do, obviously, but like why you decided to pivot into a way that gives them exposure to more content versus specifically focusing on just one or two things.
1: I think the, the biggest reason that I changed um, from a book to, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, short things, whether it's a podcast episode, an article, even, you know, a 30-second video from Twitter. Um, The biggest reason I changed was because sitting down and reading a book isn't for everybody. You know, you you, you used the, the term learning styles earlier, and that's, I think, what a big part of it was, that I would... I would like my players who prefer to to hear something to be able to put their headphones in and listen to the podcast episode and go for a run. My players who you know want to see something they can watch the video clips. My players who want to you know are okay with reading something they can read it, but it's not going to take them a couple hours. It's going to take them five to ten minutes, and so. I think just being being more creative and also being more open to you know what they might be interested in, what they might take the most from. You know, I'm not saying I won't go back to books because I think there's a ton of value in reading a book, but you know, my my seniors now have been doing this for four years. And so just giving them something different. Um and at, you know the like you said with the, the quote about from the book about you know if you take one idea from a book it's worth it well you know if the book has one main theme that's great but I you know I said before if we could hit on four to five main themes that would be great um, and also if we could get slightly into the weeds here and there you know that that would be great too and so you know I, I think it's nine or ten different mediums that we use or different articles, podcast episodes, Um, you know, none of them are very long and they have all summer to get through it. Um, You know, there's, they, they, we will sit down um, as a team in September and kind of work through it. Don't know exactly doing it this way, how we're going to work through all of it. But, you know, basically I just want to give the players an opportunity to hear things, to read things, to see things in a way that, you know, maybe will impact them in one way or the other.
0: Yeah, that, that's so awesome. And, and I appreciate you walking through. Basically, it, it's an off-season exercise, right? And then you get together early in the um, or, or late, I guess, in the, in the off-season right before uh, things are about to ramp up. And that's when you do your discovery work together and you start applying, you know, even if it's just verbally because you're talking through it as a team, you start applying all these ideas. And this year specifically, like you said, you have a number of different themes that you're going to ask your players to work through over the course of the next couple of months. So I think that's a really good setup to get us into a couple specific things here as we can top off the show um, with maybe some specific examples to help people along. And again, I want to start with the dynamic leaders podcast and um, not only were you a feature on there, but a, uh, another good friend of mine, coach Larissa Anderson, who's the head softball coach at the university of Missouri Uh, Her and I have had a number of different correspondents as well. And she has, again, her feature episode. And one of my favorite episodes, one of your favorite episodes, Larissa, is uh, I call her the culture queen. (laughs) She's a really just really great, um, not not just a great communicator, but you can tell she's a really great person. And she comes, uh, her husband is a manager at the minor league level uh for the uh, nationals, I believe, um, in major league baseball. Um and, and they just they love coaching, they love educating. They they go feed back and forth. It's kind of like you you and Mick and your relationship, I feel like, um, which, which is really cool. But uh there's um there's a few important themes I know to you from this episode. Uh if you want to go listen to the full episode listener. Feel free, go ahead. You can find it on any of your listening platforms. But for the purpose of today's conversation, let's focus on these couple of themes. Um, let's start with players being an extension of the coaching staff. That was a theme that popped out to you from the episode. What are you hoping to accomplish when you? think about that phrase specifically, or that idea specifically with your team. Like when you talk about players being an extension of the coaching staff, like how can you take that idea and make it into something tangible, something that could be useful?
1: So one thing with everything for this summer and specifically this podcast episode was um, when I met with my players at the end of this past year, I, the first question I asked them was, what did you like about this season that you want to stay the same for next year? And every returner had some form of the team cohesiveness, the way the team got along, you know, the way, the way our locker room was, it wasn't, you know, I want to win every game by this. None of that was They remembered how their teammates made them feel. And I know that we graduate some players. And so no matter what the culture is going to be a little different, but I want to find a way to keep that base culture there and to keep, you know, I want. The new freshmen to the new players to come in and to understand what we're all about. Um, and a part of that is having the players be an extension of what we as coaches have a vision for the program and for the players to see that same vision. Um, you know, they might see it a little differently. And I, you know, I, I know we're not going to be the same team we were last year. But if my assistant Hannah and I stick to what we believe. these, what we want this program to be about, and we're able to, you know, have instill that in our upperclassmen, you know, the returners have that, and they're able to then instill it into the freshmen. That's how we continue this going. And it's not reinventing the, the wheel every year. It's just bringing players up to speed to where we are.
0: Melissa, I think it says a lot about you and where you have this program that you could have a 26 and three season, and ask that question and not get people saying, I want to go undefeated next year. I want to go even further, but have them talk about the cohesiveness of the locker room, you know, of, of everybody. Like I, I just, that's so cool to hear. Uh, and I think that's, that's a really powerful thing to take away. And I'm glad that it's a focus. Cause I, I just think, um, you know, that that's how that's how championship teams come together that was the conclusion of my book uh, I think that's the conclusion of most people uh, you can you can't necessarily win a championship without talent but you can um, certainly lose it if you have a very talented team but a toxic culture so I think that's a huge huge highlight that I and I, I just want to uh, just again say I, I think it speaks volumes about who you are as a person, and as a coach, that, that, that would be their response. I, I don't think if you had asked me that, I don't know that I, I would have um, necessarily thought that uh,
1: it would have been a response. So. Well, um, and just with that, it's, it's the, the players that I've recruited. It's not me. It's, you know, that these players, the, the people that they are, the, the way their parents brought them up to be that they're that's the locker room they've created. I appreciate that they buy into what I'm trying to do, but you know i could have i could have much different players in the locker room still be me and it would not be they wouldn't feel the same way it's who they are sure.
0: 100% sure yeah very cool very special so another theme from this podcast episode uh and we've already talked about discipline a bunch because it's one of your core values but is that work ethic and discipline um so i guess like let's take what, what are some, I guess, what, are, what are some ideas from the way that Larissa talks about discipline and work ethic? And how are you hoping that that'll enhance what you've already built as that's part of your current core values?
1: Um, this sort of is going to take it another direction, but the one thing that I loved that she talked about was, you know, the, the family piece of her, um, program yes. and, know, so many programs say family, 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 and it's, it's that buzzword that you see on the t-shirts and stuff, but how do you actually implement it in your program and make players feel part of a family? And I, I think that was a huge part of her episode for me that I wanted my, my players to hear how, you know, she does it within her own team. But I think that's a big piece of where the discipline comes in is when you feel a part of the family, you are going to do your part. You are going to put the time in and the effort in, not just because you want the minutes, but because you don't want your your teammate who's a senior, you don't want her career to end earlier than it has to. You want to make sure she has a great experience. She, you want to make sure the, the incoming freshmen have a great experience. And then, you know, obviously yourself and all of that. And so really having that um, buy-in to being a part of a family is going to drive you and being disciplined enough to be able to be held accountable. I, I think those two things come hand in hand and, and go hand in hand and you're able to have conversations, tough conversations, if you are disciplined enough to hear it and willing to be held accountable. And I think, you know, she, she does a great job in that episode of, of Helping me as a coach see how she puts them in 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 her program in a completely different sport. You know, I, I think her sport in, in softball and baseball, you have to be a special person to play those, those sports because you get up to bat how many times a game? You strike out, you know, two or three times. You don't get another chance, you know, until next game. Where in my sport, you can go miss a layup, but you can go play defense. And, and you know, I think putting it in the lens of her sport really, you know, helped me see you know, how special I have it with, you know, the, the game that we play, but also, you know, that a lot of that can be taken to, to our game. Sure.
0: Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you just made me remember I totally dropped the ball on this. I was going to wear my t-shirt, my swag from the EA championship day when you were talking about t-shirts I'm like, ah, Totally forgot. That'll just, be for the next episode. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we'll have a new t shirt too by that point. So, <laughs> all right. So, these are the you actually read my mind in terms of I was going to ask about that family culture too. So, we just uh, put those two together there. So, um, I think that that covers some of the specifics from the podcast episode that I wanted to get into. And again, Please go check that episode out in full if you want to hear more from Coach Larissa Anderson. Uh, Let's talk about Culture of Excellence. So uh, Culture of Excellence, most people, if you're not familiar, that's the book that I published in 2020. It's a 30-year compilation of um, the Yankees and their culture and their leadership and how it affected whether or not they were winning or losing on the field and a lot of cool stories in between all of that um that book was the individual book that you chose to share with your team prior to last season leading into um what you just accomplished as a coach and as a team um so i guess I, I wanted to i left this one a little bit more ambiguous for me um i wanted to know like if you could share some of the highlights of what came out of that experience in terms of the learning together um, and like seeing, you know it's one thing to look at the record and we've talked about that a couple of times but I'll shout it out again 26 and 3 it's awesome um but when when you're connect i would love if you could connect not just like what experiences came out of reading the book together um but you know did you see those themes carrying over throughout the season like did you see those things being applied by your players by your coaches uh, i would i would love to know like if that actually took hold and what that all looked like with you know even if it's not all of them but some of the themes that came came about
1: yeah well I think um first of all thank you for writing the book um because I, I do think you know whether we were able to you know whether that was a a pivotal piece of what, you know, why we were who we were, um, or if it was just a couple players who are going to take some, some themes from that and apply it to something else in their life. You know, I think it was a a great read for them. And we had a a handful of Yankee players or Yankee fans, um, on the team. So it, you know, maybe piqued their interest a little bit. um, (laughs) But so, you know, one thing that really stuck out to me from the book um, and was really applicable this past year was the whole idea of, you know, like the working relationships between players and coaches or, you know, in the case of your book with the the coaches and upper management and and things like that, because, you know, we were just coming off of a year where I couldn't have players in my office because of all the COVID rules. You know, we weren't having in-person team meetings. Everything was on Zoom. And then, you know, the start of the season, there were some, there were still some restrictions, but it started to, to open up um, as we went on. And so I think, you know, having to be um, adaptable and, and creative with how we were able to build those relationships with the players through, you know, sort of, you know, different scenarios than what I w- was used to, um, you know, being able to have the freshmen feel a part of the program when they weren't allowed to, you know, get, lunch with their teammates, that sort of thing. And so, you know, I think one big, big thing that my assistant and I focused on was was how were we going to have better working relationships with the players under the circumstances. Um, and you know the other piece of it was I, I was pregnant for a semester. And so I, you know, normally we would do individuals all the time. And you know, I, I wasn't able to be in the gym doing those workouts with them, you know, in the same way that I was um, in previous years. And so you the the in your book you talked about a whole bunch of different relationships, some that involved people yelling at each other and some that involved, you know, really good, you know, almost just understanding each other just based on a look. And so being able to really spend the time with the players in, you know, individual meetings in the office, just quick check-ins, you know, in practice, doing a better job of when they were stretching to go around and make sure that I checked in with a handful of players, how their day was. And then during a water break, check in with some other ones, how their day was. And it's such a small thing, but I know that I had touch points with the players different than I was able to in the past. Um, And again, it's, I don't, I don't know if I, if I hadn't read your book, if I hadn't applied that individually, but at, at the same time, it gave the players an opportunity to do that too, we, we have had accountability partners. And what that was, was someone every week or every two weeks who, you know, you made sure your, your teammate was at practice on time, that they had their sneakers on a road trip, but you also at the start of practice, you know, we might say, hey, check in with your accountability partner on how their day was, um, or, you know, some other que- some question. And so we just, I think, I think that was one thing that we know that there's relationships in athletics, but really focusing on what the communication was and, you know, how we were going to foster those relationships um, What was one aspect of it.
0: Yeah. And I think the accountability piece, like having those accountability partners, like maybe is something good that just came out of um, whether it was partially because of COVID or whether it was partially because you were pregnant at the time. And just knowing that it wasn't going to be the same that it was, <clears throat> excuse me, in the past, but they... To so you need to be accountable and and who better to do that than the players on your team the other people you know who are part of your program and hold each other accountable so I think that's a really cool um, shout out uh, one of the the things that I'm remembering that is um, coincidental obviously but the whole the whole switch from in the book from a toxic culture in the early the late 80s early 90s into you know, largely the culture that people these days know the Yankees to be um, really started with Buck Showalter, who's managing the Mets right now. Um, And the family thing was like at the center of what he wanted to do. And you talk about like a really high stressful market like New York, where the, 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 the press and the pressure is just extraordinarily high all the time. And Buck Showalter was just like, we need to be more family oriented. We need to have a place where our players, kids and wives and, you know, things like that can come and feel comfortable and, you know, be with this isn't, you know, the 1950s anymore. Yeah. You know, like people, people want to be together and like you've called whether, whether, you know, that, that wasn't something that you took from the book, but I think it's another validation of like what you're doing as a coach to see like, all right, this is something that the Yankees did. One of the most successful professional franchises ever and I'm doing it with my program and I'm seeing success, you know, as well there. And I'm seeing, you know, good, good relationships being built and everything. So um, that, that was something that stood out to me too, when we were, when you were talking about Larissa and the family. And then I was just thinking about the book. I was like, Show Walter was, you know, really the one. And that, that is, that's, what's going to be really cool too, for you, Melissa, is it's like, okay, maybe you're not going to be at St. John Fisher forever. Um, but maybe you've set the foundation where like, you know, 30 years from now, however many head coaches come through it's still going to be that family like atmosphere. Cause that's how it is for the Yankees now. Yeah. With their ups and downs and, you know, different things throughout, throughout that time. But like, it's, it's not like the 1970s Bronx zoo there you know, anymore either. And, and I, and I, I think like for you, you would, in a, in a scenario where you moved on, you wouldn't want it to revert to what you walked into necessarily. Right. Where you had some of those bad things. So um, it, it's just funny how like it all all comes together. Like now, nerding out, and uh, people don't want to hear what I have to say about all this. They're here for you. But <laughs>
1: well, I think you bring up a good point. Just that you know, there there is no one recipe that gets you a championship, but or, or you know, a great culture, all of that. But I think there are definitely some aspects that have to be there, and whether it's you know the the family piece. Um, or just the the cohesiveness if you don't have that no matter how good you are or t- how much talent you have it's it's not going to come come together um, and you, you may not have the outcomes as consistently i'm sure there are plenty of championship teams that weren't super cohesive um, but I doubt it was sustainable uh, or, or I doubt it you know it happened often and so um, you know i I could not agree more that, you know, it's a, it's a nice validation of what worked for in one sport for one team, you know, might, might be, you know, similar things are happening with us. Yeah.
0: And I think that's the key word. I use excellence as my, my word for sustainability, but really that's, that's the argument I made in my book is it's like, this is what gives you that sustainable year over year success. The Yankees haven't had a losing season since 1992 and uh you know it's it's 2022 right now and, and in the professional leagues like you're measured off wins and losses and to a certain extent at the college level you know you you are as well um and i think like it's one measuring stick right like the wins and losses but i think you see more teams be successful and find those extra wins where maybe they wouldn't have gotten it because you know the hustle's not there on the court because they're not playing for each other you know or something like that like that's where the off the field, the culture building things that those, that's where it can spill on to the on court, the on field play. And I think really have an impact to get you an extra win here or a, um, an extra tie in some sports, you know, things like that. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's really special. Are there just out of curiosity, Melissa, if there's nothing that that's fine, but are there any other examples maybe of themes from, other people or other podcasts or something like that, that you'd be comfortable sharing and talk about? If not, we can wrap it up, but I, I was just curious if there was anything else that you had to share.
1: Um, well, I, I, I want to go back with what, what you just said about, um, you know, the, the sustainability and everything, you know, you early on brought up um, and from the coach Anderson's podcast about coaches being our players, being an extension of coaches. And then, um, you know, go, fast forwarding into the the player, the working relationships between different people within our program. You know, again, I I think both of those things were huge reasons why we were successful this year. You know, there were plenty of games where we were down, you know, 14 or 16 points early. And I've been a part of teams where, we would have folded. There would have been a little bit of bickering. There would have been frustration. There would have been poor body language and it was over. And we talked in the locker room after the game about how we can't let that happen. X, Y, and Z this year, we got down and the timeouts were calm. Everyone, you know, we were able to talk through what adjustments we needed to make. And then they went out and they executed and don't get me wrong. They showed a ton of emotion as they, you know, Got rid of that deficit, and then we're up twenty before we knew it. Um, and you know, the excitement and the love for their teammates was was evident. But I think that you know there, there are a lot of again different aspects and information everywhere. But that some of those key themes are, have been shown to to bring success, like I like I just said from this past year. But you know. Uh, other themes or other ideas, you know, I'm big on accountability. I I think, you know, you and I've talked about this, we live in a society where being held accountable, um, or holding yourself accountable, isn't the cool thing, if anything, you know, you're just putting a target on your back. And it's so sad, because, you know, we're, we're creating, or we're raising kids to think that it blaming someone else is the answer. And it, it's, and I, I don't like the direction that we're heading in. And so being able to have those conversations about accountability um, you know, I think uh, there are tons of examples that we could go with, but um, you know, one sort of pivoting again, but, you know, Dawn Staley, after she won the national championship this year, the first thing she did was commend every player who didn't get into games. And she said, you know, these players, their names, they don't hear their names, you know, said on TV or the, 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 the PA person at a game doesn't say their names because they don't play, but they're at practice every day, pushing these upperclassmen. And I think to, to me, that's holding themselves accountable. They weren't just going through the motions, even though they were never going to see the floor, they found a way to push themselves, to push their teammates, all of that. And so, you know, again, I think, Finding a way to push the the like to use your your word for scoring twenty five points a game the push the sexiness of accountability um, that that could, will impact my players more than I think anything else will because I don't think there's a ton of outlets in our society that are saying hey hold yourself accountable no matter what your political views are no matter what sports team you love whoever their coach coaches are you know no one ever or no one rarely says, Hey, that's on me. I screwed up because, you know, you say that, and again, targets on your back and you are, you know, you could lose your job. If you're admitting that you're the one who did something wrong, it's easier to blame someone else. And so, you know, I, I think there are quite a few examples that we use that we're using this summer in our um, summer, summer readings and stuff uh, about accountability. But I, I think that's a theme that us as coaches and parents need to to make bring back as to something as something that is is valid and necessary yeah
0: I, lo- I love it I couldn't have said it better I think it's something that it bothers me as much as it bothers you and that sometimes doesn't allow me to have really clear thoughts around it so I think you talking about accountability in that way is really powerful and I just want to say too like whether it's Coach uh, uh, Don Staley, who's at the uh, University of South Carolina, Um, Coach Becky Hammond uh, with the Las Vegas Aces, and Coach, what you're doing at St. John Fisher, I see so many similarities, like the accountability, the way that they're disciplined, the way that they all have fun, you all have fun, like those things I, I, they're just recipes for excellence, for success, however you want to define that term. And um, I think you're all great role models out there. And specifically, I, I'm just so grateful to have you as a friend and someone that um, you know we've built a really good relationship here with and can talk about a lot. So uh, I think the when I when I started this new podcast series, learning interesting conversations and fun was. That's my; those are my core values for the podcast. So I said, I'm not going to do an episode unless I can get those three things into every episode. And I think we accomplished all three of those things today. So I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time, teaching the way that you did, sharing all of the insight. Um, I know your, your players are going to love hearing you here on the mic when this gets released, but I also hope there's a lot of other people out there who can learn as much as I have from you. And I think um, you got something real special and I'm just so, I'm so fortunate and excited to get to, to get to be a small part of it and see you continue to do that in the future.
1: Well, thank you for being a part of what we're doing. And I I think that being, recognizing those who have impacted, you know, myself or our program is, is one, one, or I guess another part of who we are as a program, because we know that none of this was done alone. I've said it a couple times, but the parents of my players did things in my mind right to have the, the kids that they do who are now a part of our program. And, you know, that my players are able to have success because of people like you and lots of lots of out, outside influence who, who help us to that 26 and three. So Even though, you know, your name might not be on the roster and a lot of people's names are on the roster, we know that it's much more than just the, you know, 15 players and two coaches who got us here.